president is the best communicator that we have in the White House. The best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. Anyway, I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. What day is it? Where am I? Whose chair am I sitting in? Who put my clothes on? How did I get my hair done? It's February 21st, 2023. We're live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. Share, subscribe if you have not. And uh, if you want to play along during the show, join us at rubinreport.locals.com. Today, we're going to be talking about that elderly man pretending to be President Joe Biden because on President's Day yesterday, as you know, this is President's Week, but yesterday was President's Day. Uh, Instead of staying here in the United States of America and focusing on uh, the issues that average Americans have, say, inflation, other economic issues, the border, uh, perhaps going to East Palestine where there is an ecological disaster, perhaps unprecedented in American history, uh, he went to Ukraine to give Zelensky some more cash. Uh, That's what he did. So we're going to be talking about that. And we're going to really be focusing on priorities. What are the priorities of this administration? What are the priorities of the people who work for this administration and the media that uh, runs cover for them uh, versus perhaps what are your priorities as an American? Like, what do you actually think is important and what do you want from uh, the people that are supposed to govern us? I thought we could start today with a little bit of a throwback video. Uh, This is Elon Musk. You might've heard about this Elon Musk guy. He's a little known tech guy, created something called PayPal many years ago, Uh, eventually started Tesla and SpaceX and the Boring Company, and then he bought Twitter. He's become a bit of a free speech uh, aficionado, I think you could say online. And uh, no, Elon's obviously doing a ton of great work. And I saw this throwback clip of him. I thought this would be a nice way to frame the show. Uh, This is Elon back in 2012, 11 years ago, talking to Jon Stewart on The Daily Show uh, about what we should be doing to preserve humanity, which uh, generally is thought of as a pretty important thing. When I was in college, there there were three areas that I thought would most affect the future of humanity. And those were the internet, sustainable energy, and space exploration, particularly making life multi-planetary. Elon, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna tell you something right now. We all thought that. (laughs) But none of us could do anything about it. We just got high and played Dungeons and Dragons. I did that too. So you had identified these three areas. How did you prioritize them? How did you create a hierarchy where you were, what you would move to next? Well, uh, although, I mean, I, I thought about these things kind of in, in the abstract in college. I didn't expect that I would actually be doing them. Um, but it, it sort of, it just turned out that way. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the advent of the Internet, and, and particularly the, the sale of PayPal, um, and gave me the capital to, to start a rocket company and a, and a car company, because these are high capital endeavors. Right. Um, but I actually almost ran out of money. So it was a close call. I mean, both, both, both SpaceX and Tesla almost... Right. Yeah, so. I find a lot of startup rocket companies. Really. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So I thought that was an interesting way to start the show, because when Elon 11 years ago is laying out the three things, he has actually really accomplished an awful lot of those things or is in the process of accomplishing those things. And I would say that's in stark contrast to our government officials 
who say a whole bunch of stuff and never do anything. The three things that he lays out there, well, he talks about internet, number one. He's done a little something for freedom on the internet, first with PayPal, uh, and then certainly what he's doing with Twitter right now. Uh, then he talks about sustainable energy. Well, Tesla, electric cars, this is generally thought of as a good thing, so he's two for two, and life on other planets. Well, this is exactly why he started SpaceX. He actually shot a Tesla into space just to orbit around the world, just uh, the globe, just because he could. I mean, the guy's doing some real stuff there. Uh, and he's put himself in the midst of this fight, this crazy free speech fight. Now, it's interesting because if you hear what he's saying there, at that time, now remember, John Stewart, lefty, liberal, more young people got their news from John Stewart than anybody. That's what they always used to say about The Daily Show. Um, Elon has accomplished a lot of those things and is still in the fight. John Stewart bizarrely went the other direction. You know, he retired, I guess, from The Daily Show a couple of years ago. And he was what I would, he was a lefty, but like a somewhat sane liberal. I, I think a little more in line of the way maybe I would have thought of myself a few years ago, or a little bit maybe more uh, in the Bill Maher sense of it. But, but Stewart has subsequently gone completely crazy. He's gone all in on the woke stuff uh, and the trans stuff and the gender stuff, all in on all of that. Uh, he also went largely irrelevant. Like I think, did his show on HBO get canceled or not? I mean, the guy's making, a, he had a show on HBO not, or Apple TV, Max, whatever the hell that thing is. Nobody's watching it. They paid him, I'm sure, 10 million bucks a year to do it. It's not relevant at all. Okay, that's fine. Side note, um, I've mentioned this a couple times on the show over the years. I was an intern at The Daily Show in 1999, right after Craig Kilborn left and John had taken over. I actually had a few nice interactions with John early on, but he's gone completely woke, okay. And what's the other thing that progressives are all going for right now? They're really into war. Have you noticed this? Because the right right now and the conservatives are basically saying, hey, how about we stop giving this guy all the money? You know, he's got nukes, there could be a problem here. All the anti-war voices are really on the right right now. There's a sliver of it on the left, there really is, but mo most of it's on the right. So you're seeing the wokesters are all going pro-war. Uh, here's Jon Stewart in March of 2022 uh, you know, and he's he's into Zelensky and defending the place and whatever we got to do. This I got to ask you before you go yeah. about uh, another comedian, Zelensky. Yes, I mean it's <laughs> it's just an extraordinary transformation. Extraordinary, extraordinary. I mean, for for look, I'm a comedian. I know comedians. We, we I, I don't I don't know that, that we would be able to rise to the challenge of being in a movie about war. Right. Like, and you see this gentleman's courage and tenacity and the way that he's leading his country. It's, it, it, it's, it's incredibly moving. And I just, yeah. uh, my fear for Ukraine is that we're gonna get sucked into this idea of a heroic narrative yeah. while these folks get surrounded in a long-term siege that's just gonna cause so much more death and destruction. Oh, it is. So the reason I wanted to show you that is it's pretty interesting. It's like, all right, that was about a year ago. That was 11 months ago, March of 22. John, you should be screaming right now that over the last 11 months, uh, the Democrats have been marching us towards war. We are getting closer to war. It is fairly obvious. And when we find out who actually blew up the Nord Stream pipeline, hint, it was probably us. Uh, and as we keep giving tanks and planes and munitions and things to Ukraine. We are just funding their war. So in essence, we are at war. Uh, and yet, despite how horrible, apparently we are told it is, it's so evil and horrible and all those things. And again, I know people, locals had an office in Ukraine. We had to get guys out of Ukraine. We got them into another country. Some of them we got here to the US. So I'm not diminishing that anything's going on there, but 
we are told it is so horrific, it is so awful, but Joe Biden managed to show up yesterday and wander around Ukraine. Here you go. A significant moment on the world stage. President Biden met with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky during this unannounced trip. It comes just days before the one-year mark of Russia's brutal invasion of Ukraine. This moment is highly significant this morning. Biden sending a strong message of support to Ukrainians as air raid sirens wailed across Kyiv, underscoring the very real risk involved in this trip. spoke a moment ago about the weight of this historic moment. Guys, it's so dangerous that the elderly man pretending to be president walks out there like a robot. I'm totally convinced they're actually replacing his body parts with electronic robotic parts slowly. And I think they did it to his legs there if you see the way he walks. Uh, but it's so dangerous that, that there are air raid sirens. That means bombs are being flown in, but they could just kind of wander out there. Cause yeah, uh, that, that feels real. That doesn't feel staged. <laughs> my nuts. Uh, anyway, all right, Biden's there. I would imagine then that Biden might be saying, hey, we got to wrap this thing up. Let's look for a way out, right? Because that would be the same thing to do. I mean, we got our own problems in the US. So, uh, hey, Zelensky, could we tie this thing together or? Remind us that freedom is priceless. It's worth fighting for for as long as it takes. And that's how long we're going to be with you, Mr. President for as long as it takes. We'll do it. Thank you. Oh, we're gonna be there for as long as it takes. But, I don't know, maybe 20 years. You know, we just got out of this uh, freaking Afghanistan thing. We were there for 20 years, nobody knows why. Billions and trillions of dollars, all the millions of deaths, Iraq war, a lot of dead people, carnage you know, collapsing infrastructure everywhere, none of it really working. Let's just get in it. Let's just get in. We'll just hang out for a couple of years. I don't know, a couple of decades. Just keep funding the thing. You know, come on, we're Americans. Here's Kamala Harris. By the way, have you noticed on the show lately, I've started, they, people were saying, Dave, you call her Kam Kamala and her name is Kamala. And I've, I've started integrating that into the show. Anyway, here's the uh, vice president that nobody likes. Uh, and she's getting ready to ratchet up the rhetoric against you, uh, Russia as well. The United States has formally determined that Russia has committed crimes against humanity. I love how she tries to sound serious with her, that like cracking voice thing. At least she didn't cackle on that one. I mean, guys, just trust me. They are ratcheting up, re getting us ready for World War III. This is what they want. Somehow this has something to do with the money laundering and the Hunter Biden thing. And just like, this is the new thing. War makes people rich. And we got out of Afghanistan and it was almost like overnight this war began and we are just funding it to the tilt. And now he's doing war, he's doing uh, crimes against humanity, guys. So he's doing crimes against humanity. Those are, those are particularly bad crimes and we better do something about it. Uh, now you would think that uh, Zelensky might be, when Biden comes or you know, uh, crimes against humanity, these are bad things. You might think that Zelensky would be like, all right, can we get a, uh, a way out of this thing? Is there any way out of this thing? I, thank you, Joe, for giving me this unlimited check and you'll hang out as long as we want. Um, but maybe I should make some concessions too. Maybe there's something I could give so that we could wrap this thing up, stop the carnage, stop the death. Uh, no. There is no alternative to Ukraine and in the EU. 
There is no alternative to Ukraine in NATO. There is no, no alternative to our unity. Hence, there is no and should not be any alternative to completely get rid of Russian aggression. Wouldn't it be the case that if your country was being destroyed and your people were being killed and all of those things, and I'm not denying that that is happening at some level, that you might be willing to negotiate. But he is not only saying go, that we, the status quo is not good enough, meaning if we could just go back to the day before aggression, would that be good enough? Now he's saying, no, it's beyond that. You also have to let us into NATO and Russia will never allow Ukraine to be part of NATO. They don't want NATO at their borders. That's what this whole freaking thing is about. So he's saying to Putin, hey, the one thing that you really want is the one thing we will never give you. Thank God I've got old Joe here writing me a check forever saying we're gonna hang out forever and the Americans are gonna keep giving us money and weapons and everything else. It's, it's really just incredible. And it's incredible to the backdrop of, I don't know at this point, with the leadership that we have in this country and the complete dereliction of duty that they've done here with our borders and our economy and everything they put us through with COVID, what moral right do we have at this point to be telling anyone what to do? I don't know, I think we all have to think that. I think there is a place for the United States as the world's last superpower to have a moral right. I believe in American exceptionalism, I completely do. This, is, this country was founded so that everyone could come here and make a better life for themselves and then we created the beacon of freedom that the world has never seen before and may never see again. May never see again. We may regret it if we give it up. But right now, we are in bed with some shady people, we are funding crazy wars and it's all of the left. The left that was the anti-war people, war, Republicans like war, George W. Bush likes war, Republicans are mean, Brr. And it, everything has completely flipped on itself. Uh, here is uh, Joe Scarborough from the televised mental institution known as MSNBC, and he's very upset that Republicans don't want to bankroll war forever. White House, we're told, is preparing some massive aid packages to Ukraine to keep mm -hmm. the government running in Kyiv on the one hand, and then, of course, much more military aid, which Richard Engel just showed us, is desperately needed, and not just from the United States, but Europe as well, jumping in to get the ammunition, at least for starters, into the hands of Ukrainian fighters. Right. A lot to talk about there, Caddy, but uh, you've been talking uh, to sources on the Hill that tell you, even if the Republicans were to do the politically... Uh, just idiotic thing and cut off Zelensky and the freedom fighters in Ukraine. Uh, Biden's Biden's got uh, got things lined up to, to keep him going for quite some time. Yeah. Even if you Republicans try to cut the cash, we'll figure out a way to keep it flowing. This is so bananas. Guys, if this was Trump, just imagine if this was Trump pushing for this war. Every, every single one of these people would be on the reverse side of where they were at. They would be telling you that Putin is the good guy and we are the aggressor. So now some Republicans are like, um, maybe we should get some receipts. Remember Rand Paul, that was a big one. Uh, well, we gave him $100 billion. Can I just see a receipt? How much are they tipping on this thing? Like, can I just see something? No, 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 can't see that. And more money will keep coming and more arms will keep coming. And I guarantee you this, there is no military solution. I don't know if like you can see it guys, but for some reason I'm seeing it pretty clearly. The guy has nukes. There is no situation where we send in enough tanks and his army 
is they've, we've killed every last Russian. We've removed vodka from every supermarket in America. We will take the Russian hockey team off NHL on PlayStation. We have really screwed the Russians. No one will ever see Drago in Rocky Four again. And he's still got nukes. But we seem to want to just keep going and keep going and keep going. And the media is fueling it. They are absolutely fueling it, people like uh, Joe Scarborough, who are wrong about absolutely everything and will take any position on anything depending on who is in power. But let's shift because we seem to want to defend other people's borders, right? We have this big omnibus package. We're going to spend money to protect Poland's borders, I think. We give all these countries all of this money. I would be for cutting it, cutting it 25% across the board on everybody. I don't know. You guys got some problems? You know, so do we. Sorry, guys. This year is going to be a little thin. The Christmas gifts are going to be a little lighter this year but we seem unable to do that, I understand. So let's look at what's going on right here in this country. Well, Chris Wallace, Chris Wallace, who was on Fox, remember, and then he went to CNN Plus and that, that thing failed. Where is his new show now? Do we even know? It's on CNN? Good for this guy. He made it from CNN Plus to CNN, poor guy. Anyway, he had uh, Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas on to talk border policy because everyone knows it ain't working but here's Mayorkas and his, his very fine eyebrows. Migrants believe there's an open border. Chris, have you heard some of our um, political leaders speak about the border and communicate that the border is open? I don't think the more than 1.5 million people who have been removed or expelled uh, from the border would consider the border open, but political leaders um, communicate that the border is open. That is music to the smugglers' ears and the smugglers themselves so, wait, wait, spread. Wait, wait, you're going to blame this all on Republican oh, absolutely critics? Not. Absolutely I mean, you're not, not going to say that, that the administration and the Chris, policies on Remain in Mexico or Title 42 or stopping construction of the wall, that that had no impact? Chris, uh, that's not what I said. I'm just, I'm just citing for you a few things, and please allow me. Number one, uh, they, they use that rhetoric. Number two, we're dealing with smuggling organizations that are far more sophisticated than, the, than they were when I prosecuted them for 12 years as an assistant United States attorney and as the United States attorney. All right, I don't really care what he said about the border. Can we just talk about his eyebrows for a second? Because it's an interesting thing to have no hair on your head and all that hair on your eyebrows. I think we should call that the Mayorkas for now on. If you see somebody walking down the street and they're completely bald, but they've got these just incredible eyebrows, that's a Mayorkas. All right, as for the content, Look, it's just silly. Like, he, of course, he was trying to blame the Republicans for everything. And when the Republicans were securing the border and building a wall and doing all those things, they said it was racist. We know that we've had more border, uh, border breakages, more border passings illegally in the last year than I think the last five years combined. Like, it is just absolutely endless. But as he said there, but now, that, you know, they've got all this new technology. It's so much more complex. Well, are, the, are these smugglers, like are these border smugglers, are they brighter than us? Or are you guys all idiots? I think it's the latter. Uh, anyway, it continued, uh, Mayorkas and uh, the border. Is it secure? Hmm. But when you say it's, what does secure mean to you? It certainly doesn't mean that people aren't able to get across the border illegally. Of, of course not. That is, that, by that measure, the border's never been secure, right? Um, since the Department of Homeland Security was created, individuals have evaded. So, so by what measure is it secure now, sir? So there, there is not a common definition uh, of that. If one looks 
at the statutory definition, the literal interpretation of the statutory language. If one person successfully evades law enforcement uh, at the border, uh, then we have breached the security of the border. Oh, you, yep, I did a lot of them yesterday. You hack, you are nothing but a hack. Yes, we understand that technically, if a million people try to get through a border and we stop all but one, then the border is not secure because one did get through. But do you think that's really what we're talking about here? You ridiculous buffoon. Of course, that's not what we're talking about. What, what was the number? It's about one and a half million this year. Was it about one and a half million? Something like that. About one and a half million people have illegally gotten through our border this year. We give them phones. We say, oh, we'll call you. We'll call you in a couple of weeks. Want a little cash too? Here's your Obama phone. Have at it. Oh, you brought a little fentanyl with you? Well, just send it up to San Francisco. There's always a shortage up there. It's so ridiculous, but this, these are the linguistic games that these people do with absolutely everything. I can't define what, it's the same people that can't define what a woman is. I just put it together. You ask them what a woman is, they don't know what a woman is. You ask them what a secure border is, they don't know what a secure border is. They cannot say anything true whatsoever. And also they can never acknowledge that maybe they had a little something to do with it. What, what do you think is the basis for their calling for your impeachment? Do you think you've done anything wrong? No, I don't. I think it is a, um, a disagreement over policy, and I think it is used for political purposes uh, to uh, continue a, a negative dialogue about a migration challenge that is not unique to the United States, to continue that dialogue, to uplift it for political reasons. <laughs> Stop being so negative, everybody. Just because they're flooding your town with fentanyl and that there are illegals raping your wives and your children, don't be so negative. You're just a negative Nelly. Let's have an uplifting conversation about fentanyl-laced rape. It's, so, it's nuts, it's nuts, it's absolutely nuts. But it's time to do something sane, and you know what that means, it's Florida time. It's Florida time, so what, what's happening? Well, DeSantis isn't taking it. When, when illegals get here, however they get here by boat or they come in you know, through the ground, through another state, we get rid of them. That's what we do and we should do it. And if the federal government won't do their job, we'll do it at the state level. Uh, here's DeSantis going after Biden on this ridiculous, yes, Mayorkas, open border policy. Unfortunately, uh, the Biden administration has done slim to no work to actually try to prevent opioids from entering our communities in the first place. Uh, we know that things like fentanyl are manufactured in China and they are sent to North America via, uh, into our country via the southern border between the United States and Mexico. Yeah, that's it. Like, let's just say you don't care about the border. Like for some reason you just don't care about it or you don't care that little border towns are, are being overrun. You live in, let's say, I don't know, Martha's Vineyard. And generally speaking, you don't get immigrants. You don't get illegal immigrants. You don't get these people, right? Uh, but when you do, you know that they're gonna get removed within like 12 hours. So you don't really care about that. You might care about fentanyl, but you probably don't either because if you live in Martha's Vineyard, you probably don't. Uh, but you know, in a lot of America's uh, blue cities, you might care about the fentanyl problem, right? Because it is deeply connected to the homeless problem. Uh, if you're someone who's ever watched a zombie movie, you might care about that because these cities are turning into zombie apocalypse zones. So DeSantis is doing the right thing. We will not take that here. We're not just gonna have a boat show up at the harbor in Fort Lauderdale 
and a whole bunch of people are going to get off and figure out where they're going to live and who they're going to sell fentanyl to and who they're, whose houses they're going to break into. We don't have that, which is why we have something like a 20-year uh, drop in crime, the lowest crime in about 20 years statewide here. I mean, it's nuts. Uh, so what else are we doing here in Florida? Well, we're also going to fight the substance, ab substance abuse, which we do have, which already is significantly less than most other states. Is the $205.7 million that Florida is receiving from the opioid settlement agreement to further our efforts to prevent and treat substance abuse in the state of Florida. Uh, now, we have a whole host of other things that we're doing. Now, what's interesting about this is, as a general rule, I don't love the idea of government spending a ton uh, when it comes to drug-related things. I remember when I lived in California, there were always billboards everywhere, like the California Center for a Drug, whatever, it's free to go in. And it's like, man, if you think a government bureaucrat, middle management, anything is gonna have a crack addict or fentanyl addict walk in, and if you think you're gonna walk out any better because of this guy, like probably not gonna happen. However, Florida now has a track record of doing things right. So we're gonna take this 200 million. We don't have a major fentanyl problem here. Also because we're not only are we doing policing right, so we're actually arresting these people. So the dealers of these crazy drugs who were literally, I mean, I literally saw it in San Francisco, people walking around and exchanging, I think it's hard to see exactly what they're doing. Like are you handing cash to somebody, but just they're literally injecting each other on the street, doing drugs. You could see people doing deals, shady things by the wall, snorting this or that, and whatever the hell they're doing, which I always, it, it, they smoke fentanyl or I can't do it again. Which way? Do they smoke fentanyl and snort crack or you snort crack and you These, I got these upstanding citizens in this room. Nobody knows, nobody knows. Do your own research on that people. <laughs> Call a cousin in San Francisco and find out. Uh, the point is, I do believe that the 200 million we're going to spend uh, will actually do something. The proof will be in the pudding. Uh, DeSantis continued yesterday because I think this this Ukraine thing that we started the show on is is interesting because it's causing a real shift in things, right? Because there is this general idea, you know, Democrats want peace and Republicans want war, and it's actually flipping right in front of our eyes. Well, they have effectively a blank check policy with no clear strategic objective identified. And um, these things can, can escalate. And I don't think it's in our interest to be getting into proxy war with China getting involved uh, over things like the borderlands or, or over Crimea. So I think it would behoove them to identify what is the strategic objective that they're trying to, to achieve. Uh, but just saying it's an open-ended blank check, uh, that is not acceptable. Yeah, you're right. It's just not acceptable. What situation would you do this if you were lending money to somebody? Oh, you could just lend, uh, borrow money forever. I will literally lend you money forever. A any situation, if you were in a business arrangement with somebody, we're just going to fund you forever. It doesn't matter if you're profitable or if you actually sell anything or do anything positive with the money. So of course DeSantis is right. You need an objective. You need a, an attainable goal. But then we've also got Zelensky saying our attainable goal, and we are not gonna stop short of this, is getting into NATO. Except we know that's never gonna happen. And the other guys got nukes. It is a screwy, screwy situation. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the show is a little abbreviated today. I know that we're normally, we've been doing shows that are going about an hour now. My intention when we started these, these daily shows was to go about 40 minutes. We've been usually doing about an hour. We're only going about 27, 28 minutes today because I've got to get to the local studio for a, for a big live 
in-person interview, which I think we're going to be posting next week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, next week, you'll you'll understand why it was worthy of cutting this one a little bit short, but I appreciate your time. So there'll be no, no post-game show today because we got to bolt right out of here. Uh, if you want to play along during the show, join us as always at rubenreport.locals.com. We leave you with the elderly man pretending to be president. Thank you and see you tomorrow. Lynch for simply being black, nothing more. With white crowds, white families <clears throat> gathered to celebrate the spectacle, taking pictures of the bodies and mailing them as postcards. Hard to believe, but that's what was done. And some people still want to do that. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.